even express it, if you will, how good he is. Well, once again, our rapid response chaplain, Stuart Beveridge, is unable to share with us at Inspire. He was going to come to our first Inspire, uh, but of course he was called away to respond to the fires. And so we were looking forward to today, but we've had floods <laughs> since the fires and he has been deployed to the fires, uh, to, the, uh, to the floods now and the aftermath thereof. In fact, he doesn't expect to even, he's from the church here, he doesn't expect to be able to be with us until May. Such is his ministry. As part of that, we need to pray for him. Talking about the Australian bushfires, I recently heard an interesting interview on the ABC. I think the bushfires are there, up, up there, as long as they don't consume anything. I heard this interesting interview on the ABC with a professor from one of our Australian universities. The professor is an authority on all things surrounding the current debate. The interviewer asked the professor if he had personal experience of fires threatening his own property. He described how fires had indeed swept right up to his fence line. Then the interviewer asked him, and did the fires take out your house? To which he replied, no, but for the grace of... That's what I was, I was getting all excited. I was driving at the time. Oh. Hey, this is wonderful. He replied, no, but for the grace of whomever. My ears pricked up. Grace from whomever. Thank God the Bible clarifies that one. The late pastor and Bible teacher John Stott from London, from heaven now, says this, grace is God loving, God stooping, God coming to the rescue. God giving of himself generously in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, friends, the older I get, the more I become overwhelmed 
when I consider the grace of God. God's unmerited favor lavished, lavished upon a sinner like me in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Does anyone identify with that? The longer I live, the more I become aware of how far short I fall, how much short of the glory of God I fall. And the magnitude of his saving and sustaining grace in giving his life for me on the cross and to me by the Holy Spirit. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. I can only receive it with a broken contrite and thankful heart. It seems to me that one dis at least one distinctive mark of a born-again Christian is a deep sense of one's undoneness before our holy God, which leads us to a wholehearted embracing of God's free gift of grace in and through our Lord Jesus. I don't think before our eyes are open to the gospel, we grasp that. I had a doctor refer somebody to me who was very distressed. Uh, when I say refer, who suggested that a patient come, came to see me just to have a talk because this patient was very concerned and very uptight. And as I shared with this man, I said, oh, the wonder of the gospel of Christ he loves you, and I shared briefly the gospel. And he turned to me and said, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. Didn't get it. Didn't register. The love of God to him, a needy soul, and the beautiful gospel of Jesus, full and free forgiveness and acceptance in the beloved. Right over the head. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus who has stirred in every Christian's heart here today before we became Christians 
the grace of God at work preparing and opening our heart and putting us in the circumstances and situations that we come to understand, oh, once I was blind, now I see. Heaps of us have got that testimony this morning, haven't we? And others of us are on the journey, praise God, God that we're here. And even now you sense the Holy Spirit is opening our minds to understand. Tell me the verse. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Isn't that wonderful? Bible teacher John Piper has said, when a person strikes rock bottom with a sense of helplessness or nothingness, one may find that they have struck the rock of ages. Isn't that beautiful? When a person strikes rock bottom with a sense of helplessness or nothingness, one may find they have struck the rock of ages. Cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. We don't see our need of grace until we begin to understand how undone we are without it. Billy Graham said, only as we bow in contrition, confession, and repentance at the foot of the cross can we find forgiveness in him. There is the grace of God. Now, in the Lord Jesus, we find saving grace and sustaining grace. It's in Jesus. In the Gospels, in John's Gospel, the Apostle John wrote wonderful, some wonderful insights, inspiration by the Holy Spirit concerning the Lord Jesus. In fact, John tells us at the end of the gospel, he said there are many things he could have written about, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and through believing in him you may have life 
in his name. That's the purpose of John's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Look at this verse right from the 14th verse of the first chapter of John's Gospel. It's there on screen. The word, that is Jesus, we won't take time on the exegesis of that. Suffice to say, Jesus, the word Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, half full of grace. Three quarters full of grace. 90% full of grace. No. Full, full, full of grace. When you look in by faith into the face of the Lord Jesus, our Saviour, remember this, he is full of grace and truth. Not much use having grace if what we're talking about isn't true. The fullness of truth and the fullness of grace is overwhelming. And you know, because in Jesus, he is, and because he is full of grace, there's enough grace for the neediest soul amongst us this morning. And if you've come this morning at the end of the journey, as it were, and you haven't got any good works to give to God, and we haven't, so good works is great, but not to gain merit from God. We've come today saying there's no hope. God wouldn't have me. He wouldn't forgive me. He wouldn't accept me. He couldn't. I've got good news. He's full of grace. But we're going to come and receive his grace by faith. Isn't that beautiful? How much does it cost? Well, it cost him everything. We come to receive his free grace in the Lord. Have you come? Have you come? And there's others of us who have come today who are at the end of the journey of personal experience and you've been through the mill and you're saying in your heart, I've had enough, I can't go on. Oh God, I can't go on. I just want to tell you this morning, Jesus is full of grace, saving grace. And sustaining grace. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, but there's more. There's more. 
the Apostle Paul, uh, the Apostle John continues in that first chapter of John, and he continues to write this. Look, on the screen. From the fullness of him, Jesus, out of his fullness, we who have come to believe in him have all received what? Now, this is where we're now all in class. You want a Greek lesson this morning? The New Testament was written in Greek. So why, let, why not? Let's read it in the Greek this morning. Little Greek lesson. Just see it on the screen. The fullness of him we have all received. Here's the Greek. Karen? You know the word charis? We have a missionary from the church here whose name is Charis. That's Greek for grace. That's how it's written in the Greek. That's the fact that there's an I-N at the end, that's just part of the grammatical use of the word. Karen. Anti, which means in the Greek, the preposition for, or anti, for in the sense of in place of, or it can mean instead of, you get the idea? So it's grace, for, or instead of karatos, which is a construction around charis again, just the way it's done grammatically. In other words, we read it like this. Grace for grace. Or it could be translated that we could use the word instead of grace. Now, are you scratching your head? Yeah, well, that's the idea of it. <laughs> From the fullness of him, we, as believers, have all received grace instead of grace. What? Now you think it through with me, just for a moment. If you receive grace, instead of grace, what are you left with? Grace. You're left with nothing but grace. Grace, instead of grace, equals grace. It's an interesting construction, isn't it? How could I illustrate it to you? Well, no illustration really does, serves the purpose completely. But you can see there's a picture there. You look at the picture for the moment. Can you see what's happening in the picture? 
Can you make sense of that text of scripture looking at that picture? Well, what do we see? The tide is coming in. And what else is happening? The waves have swept up the beach and have gone back. Then what? Keeps going. Wave upon wave upon wave upon wave. Grace instead of grace, instead of grace, instead of grace. In other words, grace, 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 all the while, 24-7, for salvation and for sustaining us through the journey of the Christian walk. I just, I just think it's wonderful. And I just add that this applies to all God's grace in Christ, whether it is his saving grace, or he will never fail with his saving grace, or in through the circumstances, the deepest experiences of life. It's never going to run out. His grace. Some of you are in deep circumstances. You've come to put your trust in the Lord and you grasp the fact that by his grace alone you have been saved through faith in what he did on the cross for us. Marvellous. But then we become Christians and we find that all problems haven't gone away. And Jesus told us that. So does his grace cease after we've been saved? No. But what about those situations that sweep over our soul and we sit by a loved one saying, I can't make sense of this. I don't know where this is all going. Or as many of our dear folk do in this church, 24-7 care for disabled youngsters, teenagers, adults. Brian and myself shared communion with dear folk the other day. He's just restricted to bed. No longer strength to get up. And we broke bread together and shared the, the wonderful you know, breaking bread as we remember the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. But there will be these times, as you well know, when you'll be going through trials, temptations, Difficulties. 
those times when you feel sorely tested beyond endurance, or times when sorrows like sea billows roll, or those nights and days when you sit beside a loved one trying to make sense of it all. You know what I mean, don't you? Many of you have been there, are there at the moment. I just want this verse to sweep over our soul because even when we know the saving grace of the Lord Jesus, Satan loves to come along and say, yes, you've received the Lord Jesus, you've received the grace, the saving grace of the Lord Jesus. But when you really think about it, is his blood shed on the cross really sufficient for my sin? Is it really? Do you know what I mean? The answer is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Or in those moments of the deepest challenges when you feel, I can't go on, Lord. The circumstances don't seem to be changing. And I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And Satan comes along and says, see, there's no grace. There's no grace. There's no grace. There's no power in his grace. This verse reminds us there is grace enough. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, sustaining us right through into eternity and on. A little story. A story is told by, some of you may well remember, the old evangelist, D.L. Moody. Some of our generation will remember, we weren't alive in his time, obviously. Oh, Brian may have been. <laughs> but Billy Graham himself in his era, he was really inspired by D.L. Moody, who had gone years before. But D.L. Moody tells this little story. It was a cold winter's night in the States, and uh, Moody, actually it was his first sermon on grace. With this I'm going to finish and hand to Brian because he's going to take us to the cross as we break bread together. It was a cold winter's night, and Moody had been immersing himself in what the Bible says about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I became so fired up with grace 
that on my way to the meeting hall, I just had to stop the first man I met and preach grace to him. But the man thought I was crazy, as you can imagine. Moody got to the meeting hall. He preached his heart out on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Saving grace, sustaining grace. At the end, he said to the audience, if you want to hear more of the free grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you to remain behind for a little after meeting. And I want to share more about the wonderful grace of the Lord Jesus. The meeting was closed and to his consternation, everyone rose to their feet got their hats and coats, and went home. He thought in his soul, nobody wants to hear anymore about the grace of God. He says, I then despondently picked up my hat and my coat, and I went to the door that led to the street. The hall completely devoid of people. He said, as I came to the door, there was a furnace at the front, obviously for heating in that time of the year. And there was a furnace. And there was one broken soul sitting by the furnace, keeping warm. As Moody walked past, this man called out, Did you say it's free? Did you say it's free? Moody says in my heart, I knew that was the man. He said it wasn't long before we were both on our knees. He, $20,000 worse off from what he'd spent on drink. Wife left him. Children gone. House gone. Did you say it was free? Oh, yes. And Moody says it was not long before we were both on our knees. He needed some tender, loving care and some help. But that night, he embraced the free grace of the Lord Jesus. And he added, and he became one of our greatest workers through our crusades through Europe. 
Oh, the grace of God. Have you come? Let's break bread together. Thank you, Trevor. As a church, Bridgman has, uh, has commenced uh, studying a series in the book of Galatians. And uh, I want to draw our attention to what Paul said in Galatians 6.14. He said, Far be it from me that I should boast or glory in anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. God forbid or far be it from me to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul could have boasted in his Jewishness. He could have boasted in his good works. He could have boasted in his keeping of the law. But he boasted in none of those things, but rather he gloried in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there wasn't a, a more humiliating, a more shameful way to be executed than by crucifixion. And yet Paul gloried in it. So why would you glory in such a cruel and humiliating means of execution? Well, apart from what this verse says, which is by, he goes on to say, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. There are a couple of other reasons in the book of Galatians or Paul's letter to the Galatian churches. And the first one is found in chapter one, verses three and four, where Paul said, the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. We know from John 3.16 that the Father gave the Son and now here we read that Jesus gave himself because of our sins. And so Jesus not only saves us from our sins, he saves us from the consequences of our sin, but he also sets us free from being slaves to this world in his thinking and his values and its influence upon us. The Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil world. We live in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. We live in the world, but we don't have to partake of its system. We are citizens of heaven. And the other verse from Galatians is chapter 3 and verse 13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. This is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the graciousness of Jesus, the gracious one becoming a curse because of you and me, because of our sin. The word redeemed in this context means to pay a price in order to rescue. The price, of course, was his shed blood, his life poured out on Calvary to rescue us from the consequences of our sin and to rescue us from the control of sin in our lives. So Jesus became a curse that we who deserve to be a curse because we have not kept the whole law of God. And in doing so, he rescued us from being cursed by God and spending eternity in hell. And that's why we take time now to remember our Saviour and we offer him heartfelt thanks for the giving of his life and for the shedding of his blood that by his grace and by the faith that is given to us, we can be redeemed, we can be delivered. 
and become a child of God. Let's just bow. Maybe those who are going to um, service the communion could come forward. Thank you. Father, we thank you for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God of grace and your, your throne in heaven is described as the throne of grace. It's accessible, it's available to us uh, all day, every day, 24-7. We just come to you and say, Lord, Lord, help us. And we thank you, Father, that you have delivered us from the domain of darkness. And you've transferred us into the kingdom of your beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, in whom we have redemption, uh, forgiveness of sins. And we thank you from the very depths of our hearts. It's a great sense of relief to know that, is, that eternity is taken care of because of your grace, because of the blood that flowed on Calvary. In Jesus' name, amen. We shall serve the bread and the wine, or bread and the grape juice. We'll partake of the bread as it comes to you, and we'll hold the cups and we'll drink together. Thank you. By grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, but it's the gift of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's drink and in our heart of hearts say thank you. Father, again, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for the shed blood of Jesus on Calvary's cross. Thank you the blood avails for us. Thank you the blood washes us clean. In your sight we stand holy, justified, forgiven and cleansed. Thank you, Lord, for welcoming us into your family. But again, it's all and only because of your great grace. Grace that just keeps flowing over us again and again. Grace upon grace upon grace. And we are the recipients of that in spite of all that goes on in our lives and around us. And so we just bless you and say thank you, Lord, from the very depths of our hearts for what you mean to us and what you've done for us through the cross and through the resurrection of Jesus. Father, it's only because of your grace that we can sing songs like that uh, in truth, in reality, because we know. We know it's not only true, but we've experienced it ourselves. Grace upon grace, our guilt, our sin has been taken away. And that binds us together, no matter where we come from, what, no matter what we've done or who we are. We're all one in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we bless you. We say thank you again. And we pray now, Lord, as we have some fellowship over some food, we again just want to continue on in your presence, sharing you with each other and being a blessing to each other and an encouragement. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If any of you would like prayer for any reason whatsoever, some of us will remain at the front and you're very welcome to come forward and we'll pray with you.